Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. Thank you for listening today. I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist, and I'm really excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information, and soon to be invited guests to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. Now today I'm going to talk to you about binge eating and this is absolutely one of my favourite topics as it's something that I personally experience and have worked with many clients to help them overcome this. So binge eating happens across the eating disorders. So binge eating disorder is a distinct disorder in its own but I wanted to talk here about binge eating that is relevant if you have anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa binge eating disorder, OSFED or disordered eating, because I don't think it's confined neatly into one category. And I wanted to really validate people's experiences of binge eating right across disordered eating. So binge eating is a debilitating and horrible behavior that physically and mentally can be incredibly destructive. So I'm gonna talk a bit, bit more about what this involves. So these are some of the descriptions that my clients have given, which gives a really valuable insight into binge eating. It's like a frenzy of secretive eating. Nothing matters more in that moment than finding food and eating it. It feels like an addiction. Chocolate, pastry, cereal, croissants, bread, every single thing that I have avoided with an iron rod of willpower for days. Binge eating is a complete loss of control around food. It's not rational or conscious, and sometimes I can't even remember it happening. It can have quite a dissociative feel to it. Binges may be planned like a ritual and can involve buying special binge foods, or they may be more spontaneous. And I may go to extreme lengths to access food. For example, even eating food out of bins, discarded food or even stealing food. Fleetingly, I feel euphoric and high from eating the food. This doesn't last though and very quickly a black looming cloud of shame descends and the reality of the situation sinks in. What have I done, I think? I feel guilty, self-loathing and disgusted with myself. Sometimes the urge to binge can build over hours, days or longer. At other times it catches me off guard and I can't even fathom how I got into this terrible situation. Every time I binge I think this will be the very last time but it never lasts. Again and again I find myself back in this dark place out of control around food and eating, eating, eating but never satisfied. After I binge, I feel disgusting inside and out. I feel greedy, like a horrible person and so ashamed for what's happened. After I binge, I want to starve and purify my body from all the toxic food. I vow not to eat for several days. The vow never lasts. And after I binge, I have to burn off every single calorie. It's often hours and hours on the treadmill until I'm beyond exhausted. So you can see from some of these accounts, binge eating is absolutely a serious problem. There are huge physical costs, there are huge mental costs, and it's incredibly destructive. Now binge eating is broadly triggered by physiological triggers and emotional triggers. 
Now, people who binge eat, they've usually been restricting their diet or putting in certain dietary rules around food. Binge eating is usually the backlash against this restriction and it's triggered by often initially severe hunger and feelings of deprivation. So that's the physiological triggers, but then also there are emotional triggers. Now, very quickly with binge eating, emotional triggers can start to take a hold. So people can very commonly start to binge in response to negative emotions such as sadness, anger or loneliness. And they might not be actively in touch with those feelings in the moment, but binge eating kind of becomes a response to those emotions. So physiological triggers are often the initial triggers for binge eating, but very quickly, binge eating can take, a life, take on a life of its own. It becomes a habit and a response to all manner of life stresses thrown at you. And this can be really tricky and why it can be quite hard to stop once you get into a negative cycle of binge eating. So I'm now going to move on to talk about three ways to stop binge eating. Okay, so first of all, such an important point is starting to see dietary restraint as the problem. Now binge eating rarely springs from nowhere. Once you've been doing it for a while, it certainly has a habitual element to it and triggers become more emotional, but at least initially, it's normally preceded by some kind of restrictive eating or dietary restraint. You might think, well, I'm not dieting, so that's not me. However, the definition even of dietary restraint is broader than dieting alone. So dietary restraint can be delaying eating. So I'm not hungry now, I'll just wait a little longer. Now this is very common. To illustrate this, let's talk about my fictional client, Jane. So Jane would miss breakfast to try and like put off eating as long as possible. She would then push back lunch in an attempt to reduce the amount of food eaten over the day. So she might not be eating lunch until two or 3 p.m. And then she might be pushing back dinner to 9 p.m. if she can make it through. So trying to push the eating back further and further, and there can be a really strong fear of, well, once I start eating, then I won't be able to stop. So I need to delay it, delay it, delay it. Secondly, dietary restraint can be eliminating food groups. So for example, eliminating carbs, eliminating fats, those are very common things. Maybe trying to eat 100% clean, um, and that's been kind of very popular in recent years. So it's really common that someone who binge eats is following a diet that has banned certain food groups. So sometimes as well, people can start off on a kind of healthy eating path, but then they can take it to an extreme and they might have reduced their carbs really significantly. So they're really just living on protein and vegetables. Um, and this isn't sustainable in the long term. And it really misses out on the kind of yum yum factor from eating, so you can feel kind of quite deprived. Um, often as well in these situations, you know, people might literally be reducing their intake down to kind of protein shakes, vegetables, fruit, not a lot more. Um, yeah, really missing out on the carbs, really missing out on the healthy fats. And then the final dietary restraint form that we often see is the more usual kind of under eating, dieting, counting calories, basically not eating enough for your body's needs. 
So there's the delaying eating, there's the eliminating food groups, there's the more obvious dieting. Now the really tricky thing is, is that once you get into a binge eating pattern, you'll likely see dietary restraint as the solution. So you might be thinking along the lines of, well if only I could just gain control of my eating, it would all be okay. So after a binge, you feel you have to restrict again to try and repair the damage done through overeating. You try to regain control by introducing your rules, your calorie limits, your food types you're allowed, the precise quantities that you can eat or the times of eating. But of course, this isn't sustainable. You know, you might sustain it for a couple of days, maybe even a week, but then you find yourself binging again. So you can see how you become really stuck in this awful cycle of restriction and binging. And we know that from the Minnesota Starvation Study that when the human body is deprived of food, binging is often one of the inevitable outcomes. And this is so interesting because in the Minnesota Starvation Study, the men didn't have eating disorders. It was purely a response to starvation. So as well, along with a constant preoccupation with food, people feel tired, cold, have poor concentration and very low energy when they are restricting. And when you deprive your body of the energy it needs to survive and maintain proper function, it will scream out for this deficit to be replenished. You'll crave, you'll dream, you will obsess about food all day long. And this has an evolutionary survival advantage for us. You know, our ancestors would have been regularly faced with fluctuating availability of food. So we are programmed to restore the deficit of energy experienced in the famine when food is then available in the feast. So your body will fight back. It's very, very, very hard to avoid the urge to binge when you have been restricting. So if you genuinely want to stop binge eating, you need to accept that you need to give up on dietary restraint. And I know that that is hard. (laughs) It is very, very hard to let go of that. So you might think, well, if you're not restricting, if you're not restricting your eating, then what are you going to do instead? And that moves me on to my point two, managing what you eat to stop binge eating. So to help stop binge eating, you need to adopt a regular eating pattern to help stabilize blood sugar. Dieting and eliminating carbohydrates, not eating enough, it leads to low blood sugar and then ferocious cravings for food that are almost impossible not to act on. So regular eating involves eating three meals and three snacks per day and spreading these out at regular intervals. You want to be including all the food groups as well, proteins, fats and carbohydrates so that your body has a chance to be satiated and that your blood sugar is stabilized. Now there is no miracle combination of foods that are going to stop you binging. We know that eating enough protein, eating slow release carbs and not eliminating fats will all help. I remember though when I first began to eat regularly again after months of dieting, although it was actually very scary and very difficult on many levels, it was in fact a huge relief to be able to respond to hunger and actually feel a sense of satisfaction and fullness for eating from eating rather than always running on empty. So this is so important. By stabilizing blood sugar and eating regularly, you can start to deal with the physiological side of the binge eating problem. So you might still get the urge to binge emotionally, 
But by stabilizing your body's physiology, this then gives you a firm foundation to make other changes from. Now, apart from the regular eating bit, you'll also need to do something that this is going to be initially will be extremely challenging. So as part of the dietary plan, you need to begin to very slowly reintroduce your old forbidden foods back in one food at a time. Now we know that if you completely ban certain foods and you see them as naughty or forbidden, you will want to eat them more and more. This is kind of human nature. Now short term, you're going to feel absolutely terrified of doing this. And you might be terrified as well that you're going to want to gorge on certain foods. Now, it's really normal that if you've been depriving yourself of foods for so long, um, it's going to be a bit of a natural backlash against deprivation that you might want to eat more of them in the short term. But this is temporary. And to understand this, if you think about, you know, one of your forbidden foods, so let's make it up, let's say it was chocolate ice cream. Now, if I said to you, okay, for the next week, You can eat as much chocolate ice cream as you want, okay? Now, on day one, you might really be quite thrilled with that. You might think, okay, I'm going to have it for breakfast, lunch and dinner and all the snacks as well. You might really go for it. You might be really kind of making up for all the chocolate ice cream you haven't eaten when you've been restricting, okay? Now, my guess is by the time you get to about day three, the chocolate ice cream's not going to be quite so appealing as it was on day one. And actually, if you were really encouraged to just keep eating it and eating it and eating it, by the end of the week, you probably wouldn't want to look at another chocolate ice cream for quite a long time. Um, So it's being able to kind of go through this difficult period of exposing yourself to foods, which initially you're going to want to eat more of, but actually by exposing yourself to these foods, they're going to lose their specialness. They're going to lose this kind of desirability factor. And actually, they just kind of become a food. And then you can actually start to think about, okay, do I actually want to have chocolate ice cream rather than it feeling that something that is just completely out of your hands and not a choice? So you can't avoid this patch of recovery, really. And the only way out is through. And I know that's hard, but I promise you that you will come through it. And I can say this because I have lived through it myself. And today I know that, you know, I can eat a chocolate muffin or I can eat a chocolate ice cream. You can tell I do quite like chocolate. Um, Earlier today, I was eating some chocolate mini eggs with my daughter. But actually, I can kind of take it or leave it and I can have a few and I don't feel the desire to keep eating and eating and eating and this is not how it used to be for me in the past in the past once I started on the chocolate I couldn't stop I would eat and eat and eat and I would binge and I felt completely out of control but this has very much changed today and it has only been through constant exposure to my fear foods and starting to get much more comfortable with them Now, when you first introduce your foods back in, I would really suggest that you have a bit of planning around this and you think about how you'll cope. So you might need to have a friend with you for support. You might need to kind of just think about what portion size you're going to have, perhaps put it on a plate, sit down and try and eat it mindfully. Because eating at the cupboard door when you're on the run is not conducive to managing eating these foods, especially at the beginning. 
Now, today, I can quite happily grab a biscuit out of the cupboard when I'm, um, you know, getting dinner ready, or I might be kind of, I can do things, I can eat much more spontaneously, but it's taking me lots and lots of practice to be able to do this. So I would recommend initially that you do this much more slowly. But longer term, if you practice these things, you can begin to move towards intuitive eating principles. So this involves being much more flexible with food and genuinely making choices that honour your hunger and your taste buds. So it does take time and you'll need to have some planning and organisation of your food first. But this moves me now on to point three. So my first two points have dealt much more with the physiological side of managing binge eating. I'm now moving on to the emotional side, which is equally important. But I would say that you need to get your physiology, I can't say that today, at least partially stable first before you embark on the second part, which is dealing more with your emotions. So to help with this, you can use a fantastic tool, which is the Food and Feelings Diary. Now, this is not the same as tracking. You are not counting calories or macros, or you're not judging food for its health benefits or labeling foods as good or bad. Instead, it's a fantastic tool to help you gain valuable understanding and insight into eating behavior. So with the Food and Feelings Diary, just get a notebook and you can just record the food eaten, you know, the time of day, where you are, your hunger levels, your feelings, thoughts, and significant events. So say, for example, if I'm thinking about this morning, okay, I had um, a chocolate cookie this morning around um, 11 a.m. I was sitting in the dining room, sitting down at the table. My hunger level was probably about six out of 10. If 10 is really hungry, zero is not very hungry. At that time, I was actually feeling quite tired. Um, I was also feeling quite content. I was pleased that it was the weekend. Um, And I was also feeling some anticipation that I was going to be heading out with my daughter and I was kind of looking forward to that. Um, And my thoughts were very much around, yum, yum, this is quite tasty. Um, What else was I thinking? I was also thinking, um, oh, it's helpful that I'm eating something now just to make sure that I'm not going to be really hungry once we're driving and going shopping. Um, yeah, so that's just to give you a bit of an idea, really, of the example of what was going on with that eating episode. So you can do the same. So you might have kept diaries before that are very food focused, but this is different. So it's helping you to gain understand, helping to helping you to understand your relationship with food, so you can begin to have better self awareness. Once you gain aware awareness, you're in a stronger position to consider change, and you, you can also learn your emotional triggers. So, do you eat when you're bored? Do you eat when you're happy or sad or anxious or scared or angry? You might have no clue or self-awareness of this to begin with until you start recording. But once you have begin to get some awareness, you can start to think about how you deal with your feelings differently. Now, so often we turn to food when we actually need something else. You know, sometimes what we really need is a rest, Um, or we need to be talking to someone, or we need to be doing another act of self-care. So using the Food and Feelings Diary, it can be quite illuminating to see how you are dealing with your feelings. You know, can you even name your feelings? Can you respond helpfully to them? Can you reach out for help? And it might be quite hard to begin to tune in at first. So 
As well, if you find this area particularly tricky, counselling can really often offer a safe place to begin to explore your emotional world and make sense of it. So also as part of the emotional side of dealing with binging, it's about challenging your thoughts. So with 60,000 plus thoughts a day, how do they work that out? Running through your mind, and many of these being repetitive, you will understand the power of your thinking. Our thoughts, moods, and behavior are all quite interlinked. So you might be having a lot of thoughts which aren't really helping you make the changes around binging that you're hoping for. So for example, if you're having a thought like, I've blown it every time you have a cookie or a piece of chocolate or some crisps. If you're having that thought, I've blown it, you're going to feel really anxious. And then actually, interestingly, you might start to eat more than ever to help deal with that anxiety. Um, Or you might be thinking, well, the diet starts tomorrow. So you kind of like blow it all and it kind of keeps you trapped in the cycle. You might be having thoughts like, I'm too fat. And this might lead you to feel really disgusted in your body. So then you restrict and then you're back to binging again. You might have the thought, people are looking at me. And you might falsely mind read or predict things that other people are thinking. And then this leaves you feeling totally ashamed. And then you might withdraw from others. You might punish yourself through eating more. And again, you get stuck in the cycle. So becoming aware of your thoughts can be an illuminating process. And the Food and Feelings Diary can be a brilliant way to shine a light on unhelpful thought patterns. Through this awareness, you can begin to notice how you talk to yourself. And it is so common that people with disordered eating can be incredibly self-punishing and self-critical, which in fact keeps the binge eating going. So you may be being very unkind, punishing and critical of yourself. You may feel that you never meet your standards. And being judgmental and unkind doesn't really help you. You might hope that it will drive you into action, but usually it simply demoralises you and keeps you stuck and helpless. So instead, you can begin to think about how you can be kinder to yourself in your thoughts, actions and behaviour. And we all respond to kindness and encouragement much more positively than self-berating and judgment, which leaves us feeling helpless and like giving up. So I hope that this has given you some insights in how to stop binge eating. Now, it is a process and, you know, I can talk about it here and make it sound quite simple, but actually it's a bit of an unravelling process if you've been caught in quite a stuck binge eating habit. So in summary, number one, you have to stop the dietary restraint. Dietary restraint will only inevitably lead you back to binge eating. Okay, and you might manage the dietary restraint for periods of time, but it's not sustainable. Secondly, focus on eating in a way that promotes stable blood physiology. Blood physiology or body physiology, really. So regular eating and all the food groups. And also it's about slowly reintroducing your forbidden foods, one food at a time. The more you have forbidden foods, the more you ban foods, the more you try and avoid foods, you're kind of on a knife edge really, waiting for the next binge to happen. And finally, start to become much more aware of your emotions. So what are you feeling? What are you thinking? How can you manage your emotions differently? How can you be kinder to yourself with your thoughts? 
So have a ponder and reflect on these three tips and let me know in the comments your own experiences of dealing with binge eating. So if you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at The Eating Disorder Therapist. And for regular tips and insights into overcoming disordered eating, do sign up for weekly articles on my blog page at rethinkyourbody.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.